it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. So, once again I ask you, why are you here? I'm here, Charles, to tell you that I'm going to kill your daughter. Penelope, is it? And once she's gone, once she's dead, then you'll understand how I feel. And you'll wish you hadn't changed the rules. That island's mine, Benjamin. It always was. It will be again. But she'll never find it. Then I suppose the hunt is on for both of us. I suppose it is. Sleep tight, Charles. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we continue onward into the journey of the fourth season of the series. I'm Ben. And I'm Rima. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we move forward with our discussion of season four, episode nine, The Shape of Things to Come. (laughs) I feel like I feel like we need to explain that. No, maybe. No, no, no. no this is Rima. Okay. <laughs> if you'd like explanation on that, you should listen to Strange Indeed, <laughs> Ben's other podcast. <laughs> oh, which is actually about to wrap up. Oh, uh, the last episode of the Stand just aired. <coughs> so yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna wrap it up, but it is what it is. But I'm so glad you started the podcast like that. It was a last minute decision. I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> man. So, um, yeah. So, season four, episode nine, The Shape of Things to Come. This is, uh, you know, we talked about Meet Kevin Johnson last week, which um, was a garbage okay. episode. It was, it was filler. Yeah, it was a filler. But this episode, it's like they they were just waiting for this episode. This episode had everything in it. I, I liked it a lot more. Oh, yeah, I'm it's this episode is so oh my god, it's so good. I, I love this episode. Yeah, it I mean it's a Ben centric episode, which yeah. is always which is always great because you get so many questions, um, new questions if if you're watching the show, right? Like, why is Ben in a parka in the middle of the Sahara Desert? Yeah. That's question one. <laughs> and that but I mean it's it, it, they're they're better questions, you know. Other than, you know, the like the only question we got last week with me, Kevin Johnson is, why is Henry Montague in this episode? 
And <laughs> I was like waiting to see how long you, that you was going to take you. I know. You mean Harold Perennial? Yeah. yeah, it's better than. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> Perino, but it's closer. It's better than Montague. I can't say his name. And I was relating the actor to his Mercutio role in Romeo and Juliet <laughs> from the 1990s. And I called him Henry Montague. And Ben <laughs> lost his ever-loving mind when I did it. We were talking about when we were before, when we were prepping for this episode and we were talking about uh, Prodigal Son with Tom Payne and um, Harold Perrineau's daughter happens to be in that show and Chris <laughs> referred to him as Henry Montague. Yeah. And I don't I know did. why I found it so goddamn funny, but no, I, he couldn't. He he could not speak for no. like a good five minutes. No, I don't. But know But then why we were I both so crying funny. with laughter. I don't know why I found it so funny. Well, because it was it was hysterical. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, quick note on format of the podcast: if you're not already familiar, this is a spoiler full show where we sometimes talk about the show. Yeah, what does that happen? <laughs> We're already off the rails. And we haven't even really started yet. Uh, but yeah, we will talk about spoilers, obviously things that have happened in the series, as well as things that have yet to happen in the series as we break down the episodes and we analyze everything. So we're going to talk about everything. That, I mean, it is a rewatch, so we are revisiting the series. So yeah, we're going to talk about things that have already happened. So spoilers, be forewarned. It's called Lost Revisited. <laughs> uh, but let's jump into the episode before okay. we get way, way, way more off track and we end up talking about uh, Prince on New Girl, which we've done before. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, yes. Um, questions? I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Where do you want to start with the uh, with the episode? So I actually, I want to kind of lock in on the more human elements of Ben in this episode, because I think that we get, um, we get some real moments from him on the Island that, um, you know, we see a lot of manipulation in his character. If he is being real, it's usually because he's manipulating somebody to get somebody to do something, uh, that he needs them or wants them to do. Mm -hmm. Like when he was manipulating Saeed towards the end of the episode to be his assassin. But when he gets, when he's playing the piano and Locke and Sawyer and Hurley come in and he's told that that code J 14 J was uh, entered into the fence. He goes into a, a real, uh, not a panic, but he becomes all business. Um, and all of a sudden you can tell he's like, he's got a plan. He goes into action. And it's really interesting to me how quickly Locke goes into follower mode. Um, almost like he's more comfortable there because he's been expected to be a leader, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, so we see a lot of, um, very planned out movements from Ben and a lot of, um, a lot of his detachment from other people as well. When he was like, no, we don't have time to go get Claire. She's going to have to blow up. Sorry. Um, you know, but then his daughter dies and you see this emotion, this raw emotion that is very real come out of him. Um, 
and, and it's not, <clears throat> and it's pretty subtle, but the culmination of that is when Locke looks at him when they're about to go into the into the jungle and Locke's like, where are you going? And he turns around and he says, I have to say goodbye to my daughter with a catch in his voice. And it's, it's one of, if not the very first time we see the real Ben as an adult. Yeah. And there's, and there's something really profound to that. This is a huge, huge moment for him. I agree with you completely. This is, and I have this in my notes as well. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, I, I knew this, this moment was happening. We've talked about in previous episodes, the loss of Alex, how it happens, the, the suddenness of it, uh, the mm-hmm. shock of it happening. The one thing I did not anticipate and I did not remember, and I don't know if it's because we've been diving deeper into the show instead of just watching, uh, I got choked up seeing Ben standing over Alex and saying goodbye to Alex and closing her eyes, which we all know that opening the eyes means that the show is starting. Um, you know, we've got a lot of close up eye shots, uh, throughout the whole series. And there is a, you know, there is definitely that moment where Ben is closing her eyes and ending her character and ending, ending her time. And that, that there's something about that as well. But continue. No, I mean, that's a great point, And I didn't even really think about that. I mean, you know, we see that happening all the time. It's a trope in in films and television that if somebody dies and their eyes are open, you see somebody close their eyes as a a means of respect Mm -hmm. to the person and giving them a little bit of modicum of peace. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really pick up on that. You're right. In a show that has used open eyes as symbolism, that is a great way of not only closing the door on Alex, and ending her chapter, but at the same time, closing a chapter on Ben. Mm-hmm. Because from this point on, we're going to not even not even from this point on. We see it in this episode, in the moments where he's off the island. This is a very different Ben. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's anybody that that goes through a loss like that. You know, it profound profoundly changes anybody if you lose a child. But for Ben, that was his one remaining human element. Mm -hmm. That was what made him human. And it was taken, you know, it it was taken by Charles Woodmore. Yeah. But it's an interesting note to, it's, it's an interesting thing to note too, that even the one element of humanity that Ben had in Alex, it even, to show the kind of tragicness of Ben's character, the true tragic tragicness of Ben's character, even that one moment of uh, and connection to humanity he had, it wasn't given to him. He took it mm. in, in kidnapping out. That's true. That's true. Like, like, he really had no human connection given to him. He had to take the only human connection he had. I mean, his father was a horrible person who treated him like shit growing up. Well, and you can make an argument saying that his mother was taken from him or he, he actually took, according to his father, he took his mother's life away. Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, the only element of humanity he had, the true element of humanity he had was Alex it was a stolen element of humanity. Like he took it for himself and now it's gone. So, you know, what does that do to a person? If you're given an element of humanity and it's taken away, that's already wreaking hell on a person. But now 
you have somebody who stole that element and then out was stolen from him. Is that better or is that worse? Or is it equal? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we see that for Ben, it, um, it really erases any softness that he maybe could have had that doesn't really return until probably the final episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, and you know, and you talk about, you know, Kimi being the one to pull that trigger. And this is the first time, like we've seen, Ben has been such a precise character. We've seen all his best laid plans come to fruition, even mm-hmm. the ones that we didn't know he had. Mm-hmm. And we get more, even more of that in this episode where, you know, when the code 14J happens <clears throat> and he realizes that shit's about to hit the fan, he pulls a gun from the piano bench. <laughs> that nobody knew he had. I, I, I mean, like, this is a man who has plans and then plans for when plans don't work. Like, right. he is so concise in his planning. It's that moment right there when he opens up the bench, takes out the gun, and tosses it to Sawyer, where you're like, this, like, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, and and I think that secrets. that's what and that's what intimidates Locke the most is that Locke thinks that he's like this special, you know, once in a millennium type of, you know, person on the island and he is constantly shown that he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the one guy who Everybody thinks they're finally in control of. Yeah. They have no control of him at all. My favorite part was when he went into the secret cave behind his closet. And they're like, and Sawyer's like, um, we gonna talk about the fact that you're covered in dirt and you just emerged out of a weird hole in your closet. (laughs) Yeah. Like this, like like this guy has just when you think you know how tactical Ben is, he outdoes himself. You know, has a, a secret hole in the closet, which we'll talk about soon enough because that's no typical door behind a closet. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have the gun in the it's, piano. It's bench. a dark trip to Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have one person who comes in in the form of Kimi, who in some way is holding all the cards now in Alex. Yeah. Ben has, with all of his planning and all of everything that he has, has grown so overconfident in himself that it takes one thing happening to shock him back to reality. Well, but, okay, but on the same token, he muttered, he changed the rules. The, the rules have been changed. He changed the rules. So there was an understanding and um, and a line that was drawn in the sand that had now been erased, that had now been crossed, which we learn at the end of the episode when it's uh, the Widmore and Ben kind of showdown in the, ho- in the hotel room. Um, and... It was interesting because that's another big question of of why can't Ben kill Charles Woodmore? Why is Charles Woodmore having nightmares? Yeah. Um right. So we have so there's new there's new uh layers and elements that are added now to 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 the story by the end of this episode that 
if if you're in it, even as a first time watcher, if you're in it, if you're in the story, you're like, well, I have to know what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> I have to know why any of this is happening. Well, we even talked about that last week, too, when we talked about Meet Kevin Johnson and how it's pretty much just a precursor to the end of the season. You know, because we knew from this point on, from Shape of Things to Come up until the end of this season, it's full bore now. Like, it's going to be constantly, okay, what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? All the way up to the end to the end of the season. Yeah. So it's... Well, I think that that's all the way up until the end of the series, kind of, which is why people get mad about this show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and it's interesting that you bring up the Charles Whitmore stuff, which I know we're, we're going to dive deeper into. Yeah. But one of the things I don't know if you picked up on, because I picked up on this one, too, is it seems to be this island drives people to drink. Uh, Charles Whitmore is having nightmares, which means he always has a bottle of whiskey by his bedside now because it helps him with the nightmares. Who else do we know got off this island and it drove him to drink? Oh, his name is Jack. Yeah. Mr. Self-prescribe, uh, self-prescribing doctor, which was interesting because I read I read in uh, some of the trivia today about how um, about how him saying that he was self-prescribing himself medication in the tent to Kate was like a precursor to him self-prescribing himself the pills in the hospital in the flash forward. Um, I, I guess I can kind of see that. Um, it makes sense if that, if that is indeed the case. Well, I think it's, it's more of a, you know, oh, I know what's best for me because I'm Jack and I'm a doctor and I'm the hero and I'm the best at everything, no matter what. Does that, do you think that kind of falls into, I mean, we've talked a number of times about the hero complex that Jack has. Does a hero complex kind of. Um, does it apply to yourself? Can you be your own hero? I will be your hero, <laughs> baby. Sorry. Um, I mean, you, you could, I mean, that's kind of like when you look at, um, you know, certain serial killers or whatever that are like angels of mercy or something like that, or, um, they have like a hero complex about making themselves out to be the hero. Um, for personal gain, but I don't think that that's really Jack. I don't think that he's ever been somebody that needs that personal gain out of some narcissistic uh, need like his father. I think that he had, he suffered a lot of, um, a lot of mental pressure and abuse from his father. And it kind of made him into uh, this, guy that needs to have all the answers and he needs to have all of um, he needs to help all the people or else he's a failure because he would be a failure to his dad. And I think that that is kind of what drives him um, drives him as a character. And then he just, he's just a dick about it. So, so do you Am I making it, any sense? No, I mean it makes sense. Do you think he's do you think it's less hero complex and more daddy issue? And Maybe. And that's why Jack is the way he is? Maybe there's some weird combination like he can't figure it out if he has a daddy issue or a hero complex and it's like they're fighting with each other the whole time or one is kind of leading to the other and vice versa. I mean it could be it could be I could see it that way cuz you know it could be you know I, 
I, I not only do I want to prove myself to my father, but I want to be better than him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what leads him to be like, okay, I can save everyone. But then that leads him to be just like his father with yeah. substance abuse. It's it's a it's a horrible circle for Jack to be caught in. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a vicious cycle that he's stuck in. Christian Shepherd ruined both of his kids' lives. Let's just, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely true, even though he wasn't really a part of the other one's life. Exactly. Oh, so that's how he ruined okay. I don't necessarily think not being a part of a life is ruining their life. It, the absence of a be. father the absence of a father in in a girl's life is profound. There's there's scientific studies on it, right? Okay. So, uh, you know, you can say that because she didn't have a father growing up, she clung on to, you know, a boyfriend that promised stability and nurturing and 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 that care that she never got from another male figure in her life, which, you know, he ended up leaving her and she was pregnant and then she had to, you know, get rid of the baby by putting it up for adoption in LA and put it on her plane and then her plane crashed. Yeah, that's that's a certain domino effect. <laughs> to to say to say the least, that's that's definitely a domino fall that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> I, I mean, not to say I I would ever I wouldn't be able to have a baby and get on a plane with it cuz I can't have kids. But <laughs> physically I can't have kids. I mean, not like I can't carry ki- Oh god, this is already <laughs> I was like, this just took a turn. Like, do you want to talk about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can't get... Uh, this is already... You're like, I don't have a uterus. That's okay? What, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, oh, man. No uterus, no opinion. <laughs> this is already going way, 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 way off the off the rails. All right. You you, you go. What do you want to talk about? Um. So, I mean, uh, there, God, there's so much to talk about in this episode. Um, you know what? Let's let's talk about... I, I want to talk about Sawyer the hero for a minute. Oh, God, I love Sawyer in this episode. Um, it's... You know, like, it, we talked about how Ben, you know, with Claire wasn't in the house when, you know, he tosses the gun to Sawyer. Ben is like, okay, this is the way ne- things need to happen. I love the fact that Sawyer's the one that stepped up and said, no, I'm going to get Claire. And, you know, after, you know, the house blows up, Sawyer still runs in, grabs Claire, runs back to the house where Ben and them are at. And then of all people, too, I love the fact that, you know, you know, Ben and and Locke are kind of like, you know, if you're out there, you're out there. And Hurley, man, stepping up and just being like, nope. Not happening and smashing the window. That was awesome. Like, I'm telling you, there's more and more proof as we go forward that Hurley is and always has been the true hero of this story. How about the fact that Ben was like, no, he has to come with us. Oh, yeah. You know, like. and And I love the fact that Hurley played the civil one. And rather than see this break out into another fight again, mm-hmm. Hurley was the one that says, no, it's all right. I'll go with him. Like, And Sawyer, who has always made fun of Hurley, is like acting like a really big brother in this situation, which is very cool. Well, I mean, but, and you know, when you look at it in return, I'm sure Sawyer also realizes if it wasn't for Hurley, 
him and Claire would be out of that house. Yeah, he'd be stuck in the middle of everything going on, and probably would not be uh, probably would not be alive. No, he they, he definitely saved both of their lives. You're right. Yeah, so, he's probably saved everybody's life at one point so at some, far. At some point, I'm sure he has. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and it just goes on, like I said, to further prove that Hurley is really the true hero of the story. Mm-hmm. As we find out by the end of the series, who, you know, sorry again, spoilers. Hurley becomes the guardian of the island in the end. Yep. You know, everybody else is basically just a, a testing piece or an assist to Hurley getting to where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love that about Hurley's character. I wonder if that was always the plan. Um, I'd be interested to know if that was always the plan. Wouldn't surprise me. Or if maybe Hurley took on... Walt's plan. Do you think maybe Walt was intended to be? That would be interesting. Walt, to me, had a major part of this storyline. and That was cut short. (laughs) That the showrunners forgot puberty was a thing (laughs) and cut it off. So that's why I said I think the best, like, reboot would be Hurley needs to bring Walt to the island after so many years. So now he's a full-grown adult because, you know, it's Walt that can fix whatever's happening at the island or something. Do you know what's funny, too, is we talk about, uh, we've mentioned it a number of times about Walt and how puberty became a thing. And <coughs> the Excuse writers and, and producers really didn't incorporate that into their planning of the show when it came yeah. to passing and everything. Another show that kind of is very similar, it's actually the next show we're going to Once talk Upon about, a Time, I know. Once Upon a Time <laughs> with Henry... They had to write him out. They they eventually had to write a time jump yeah. into it so that they could cast an older person to play Henry. Yep. Because the kid playing Henry grew up. Yep. Past the I point actually, of the age of the character. I actually have friends uh, that were friends with that family, Henry's, the actor's family. And there were there were a lot of issues with the fact that he had acne and the fact that he like like all of this puberty stuff that was happening to him like the show was like really stressed out about it and they had to really um take down his character until they ultimately did that but i remember hearing from them about how that was like a big big piece of drama behind the scenes on that story really yeah huh that's interesting yeah um for whatever that's worth. <laughs> but, you know, like, that's something that shows suffer from. And, you know, these are two shows. And it's the that, same that did it. showrunners, isn't it? No. I think no. it is. Um, I don't know, because they're both ABC shows, and they both. So maybe it was just ABC's issue that they were the ones that did it. Yeah, well, those the Once Upon a Time showrunners also were showrunning Fear the Walking Dead for one or two seasons, I think. Or are they still doing it? That I uh, I don't know. Well, that doesn't matter. But, um, <laughs> but I'd be interested to know if any of them were a part of Lost in any way, especially in the beginning. Um, Adam Horowitz was the creator, and yeah, he was a producer on Lost. Interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, it it was something that was kind of rampant between stuff that you know both of these series did. <laughs> Everybody likes the cool kid that has all the all the uh, the cool stuff. But, you know, like 
we can, we get like, if it's a new year, let's have it be a new year. Like this is us is doing it perfectly. You know, every season they started off with, with a new birthday, right? Like the show started off, everybody turned 36. Then the next, then the next season, everybody turned 37 and it always started with their birthday so that you knew that a year had passed. And so the kids are all growing up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine that they're all growing up. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and one of the unfortunate things about it, too, is, you know, you know, Lost did it once upon a time, did it. You know, we talk about, um, uh, you know, uh, Walt being the Walking issue. Dead did it. Look at. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Chandler Carl. Riggs, yeah. man. Yeah. To the to the point where they eventually had to kill him off. Oh. Um, <laughs> every show handled it differently. Uh, lost, lost, let him go once upon a time, recast him and walking dead, just killed him, you know? Um, but you know, the unfortunate thing is that when it came to Walt and lost, you know, you look at Henry, who was basically just a kid of one of these characters compared to Walt, Walt had a story to tell. Yeah. You know, like Henry and once upon a time, you could have just shipped him off to school or college, which I think they did at a certain point. And, but Walt had a story that they were setting up from episode one. Yeah. And that they never got to explore. So that you're, I think they're, you, yeah, they're because like, he had like some kind of weird abilities in, in, uh, growing up in his backstory, mm -hmm. like with the birds and with the comics and with this, you know, so it's like, yeah, I'd like to see that fleshed out a little. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could be right. Maybe they did kind of make that. We talked earlier about how we never got to explore what that meant. Maybe we saw it because maybe they shifted it to Hurley. Yeah, maybe. You know, and maybe Hurley continued on with what Walt was supposed to be. I mean, because we're seeing at this point that Hurley is seeing the cabin. He's the yep. only one other than Locke and Ben who have seen it. Um. And maybe that's what Walt's character was supposed to be. But he can also find it. True. Well, that's Locke one of the can't reasons find why. It. Yeah, Locke and Ben can't find it. I think it just appears to them, and Hurley can find it. And I think that that's the major difference between the two, but between the three of them or the two sides. Well, that's why Ben wants him. That's why Ben tells Sawyer, like, no, Hurley's coming with us. But it's interesting because Ben knows, Ben knows where his weaknesses are, and he capitalizes on that by recognizing where the strengths in the others are to help him be his best. And Locke refuses to acknowledge that anybody could be on his level. And those are two totally different leadership styles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that has definitely always been a flaw of John Locke. I mean, they both kind of suffer from an overconfidence, mm -hmm. but Ben lives up to his like Ben has a reason to be overconfident because yeah. his, his best laying plans up until Alex have never failed. Well, also he's had decades of experience on this Island and John's yeah. been on the Island for like a season, maybe like <laughs> it hasn't even been a hundred days. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting too, that you bring that up because we get a definitive date in this episode. October 24th, 2005. Yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. Um, you know, which kind of gives us a little, I, I want to say gives us a little bit of a timeline, but it kind of doesn't because time is very wonky on this. It's, it's weird 
because that Ben is in a parka in the middle of the desert. Have, well, uh, why, why are we not questioning this? Uh, well, oh, <laughs> I have notes on this. Trust me. But I think it, I, I find it very weird, and it shows really how wonky time is. Because a couple episodes ago, we get Daniel in the payload, where the payload takes off from the boat and then arrives twenty minutes later. Yeah. This episode, we're getting something arriving to the island before it even happened on the boat. Last time it happened on the boat first and then showed up on the island. Now it happens on the island before it even happened on the boat. Is it though? Or are they lying? No, because I remember, I do remember this. We see the doctor die and thrown overboard later. I think that happens next episode. No, I, honestly, I think that they lied. It's okay. We're gonna have to wait and see because okay. I I think because they're all a bunch you, of liars. You might be right, but I think I remember seeing the doctor die and thrown overboard. Well, yeah. Let's let's see how that lines we'll up. See, yeah, but, we'll, we'll yeah. See how it plays out. But I'm glad that you mentioned this because I love Bernard in that scene. <laughs> Bernard is turning out more and more. To be, I mean, Bernard was already a great character. Yeah. But he turns out to be more and more awesome. Yeah. Every time we see him now. He comes, he's like comes in with like clutch moves. Like he got Jin and Son back together mm -hmm. and he exposed Daniel to be a liar, which was great. And that's, and that's the other thing is that Daniel lied to everybody about what that message was about the captain being fine. So, he didn't want to tell them even though he could have. So it's like, everybody's lying. Yeah. You know, it's just, everybody's always lying. And, but I just love it because Bernard's like, no, mm -mm, that's not what he said. And then Daniel's like, Oh, you know, Morse code. Yeah. I know Morse code. Why are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Cause that's such a great scene when like Daniel is talking you know, they're talking Morse code to the ship and Daniel comes across and says, you know, like everything is fine. Your friends are coming back. And Bernard's like, nope, not what he said. Out of nowhere, Bernard knows Morse code. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Like, OK, what else does Bernard know? But Jack knew that he knew Morse code because he had that aside conversation with him when they went back to go over to the radio. And he goes, hey, Bernard, let's talk for a second. Come come with me. And I think that he told Bernard, hey, I need you to make sure that they're on the level. So somehow Jack knew that Bernard knew Morse code. So we must have missed something in an earlier season or something where he was like in the military or something. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't think there are any more Bernard flashbacks coming up. I think they've they've done... Because well, I think we're done with flashbacks at this point, so mm -hmm. I don't know if we ever if we ever find out anything about Bernard. Well, and, and it was a wonderful moment. Oh, it's a great it's a great moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking now. Um. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Hold on. I'm, I don't want I'm trying not to have any dead air. Um, yeah, we do see the doctor get his throat slit and thrown overboard. Yeah, but is that a meanwhile? No, or is that an it's, after? It's, no, it's after. It's after Kimi's crew returns to the ship. 
because Kimi is the one that does it. He throws, he slits his throat and throw and sh to show that he was a threat and throws the doctor's body off the ship. Hmm. Oh, uh, or, oh, hold on. Maybe that's. See, I'm so. I'm we so, need a I'm, timeline. Yeah, because I'm reading this and it says that uh, Kimi grabs Ray, slits his throat. Uh, then throws Ray's body over the edge of the ship, stated he would kill another person every 30 seconds until Frank agreed to fly them. So. Ah. Which is the next. So, okay. Before we debate this any further, it's the next episode. So all this plays out. Oh, no, it's two episodes from now. Well, then let's discuss it in two when it episodes. Happens. Yeah. Yep. We'll wait yeah. till it happens. Because there is. Right now, we'll confusion. just. Yeah. A little confusion. We'll wait till it plays out and we'll see. We'll make a nice little timeline. Yes. <laughs> exactly. We'll make a chart. Um, so, uh, God, I still have a bunch of notes, you know, of stuff to talk about. But, like, I'll turn it back over to you because. Well, I have actually. So, yeah, there's there's I love this episode because there's so much to talk about. There's but so much to talk about one compared, of the compared to last week. So one of one of the kind of cool things that I stumbled over when preparing for the episode was um, the hieroglyphics in the secret passage. OK, um, so those actually had it had a meaning because everything in the show has a meaning. I'm glad you looked cuz I didn't I didn't look into the hieroglyphics. So we as we know, Ben disappears into the weird secret stone passage and then he comes back up and all of a sudden smoke monster appears, right? Oh, so and every and everybody's like, "I'm sorry, you could just like get it to come." <laughs> like <laughs> so um so before he leaves and he's going into the secret passage, there are hieroglyphics and the hieroglyphics actually are translated to summon protection. Ooh, interesting. So it gives a new meaning to, or it gives new questions to the smoke monster as when we see the smoke monster up until now, is it been protecting the island from these new survivors the whole time. Like we see the smoke monster as a villain that's trying to kill everybody or maybe testing everybody. Um, you know, the lights that, that John faces down, um, you know, the killing of echo. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to change the name on yours. I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Come on. She said, I think you just whispered to me. <laughs> <laughs> She's still talking. Shh. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. So now, you know, it, it makes me think if it, that it's always been now it's kind of. If you were to look into the hieroglyphics, the showrunners are saying, no, this is to summon protection. Now, for who? I don't know. For what? I don't know. Is it the island? Is it Ben? Is it the Dharma? Is it, like, what is it? So, I kind of have a theory on this. Oh. Um, I honestly, I actually think there are two different smoke monsters. Really? 
Um, because we do know later on, as we do find out later on, and this is kind of, again, flash-forwarding, so spoilers, uh, the man in black, who we're going to meet later, can take the form of the smoke monster. Mm-hmm. But this one, this particular smoke monster seems to be controlled by Ben. If you look at the pylons around the camp that mm-hmm. keep the smoke monster out, if the smoke monster could always be controlled, why would you need those pylons? And there are particular times where sometimes when we see the smoke monster, we hear that mechanical sound, like this instance. And there are other times where we haven't heard that mechanical sound. So I think there is a smoke monster that can be controlled. But then there are times when we see the smoke monster and it's not that smoke monster. It's the man in black taking the form of it. Now, that is an interesting theory. And I actually really, yeah, I could get down with that theory. (laughs) That's a really good theory. The pylons are the protection of the camp from the man in black pretending to be the smoke monster. Interesting. It keeps him out because again, why would you need to control the smoke monster? Why would you need to set up a defense against it? If you could always control it. So I honestly think this episode made me realize, I think there might be two of them. Yeah. One is mechanical. Yeah. Then I was going to say, which one's the real one? (laughs) I think the mechanical one. And, have we been seeing both the whole time? And is there a way to, is there a way to know which one is which? I think when we hear that mechanical sound, that is a, that is the man-made smoke monster. Do we not controllable smoke monster? Do we not always hear the mechanical sound? We didn't at first. We hear that growl. Um, Now I want to go back and watch this all again with this in mind. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) It, what else? What are we doing right now? <laughs> I don't think it's until later we hear that mechanical sound start to become a part of the the smoke monster. Okay, interesting. Um, I'm gonna keep a ear out for that now. Although I, I'm not sure how much more of the uh, <laughs> mechanical smoke monster we're gonna get at this point. I. Yeah, I don't know because I don't think there's really much of it at all next season. This might be the last time. <laughs> Well, I mean, we get him again when we get interested in introduced to the man in black. No, that's what I'm saying is that yeah. this may be the end of if there's if there is two smoke monsters, this may be the end of the summon protection, uh, creepy stone, secret passage, basement smoke monster. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's also a, a question, too, as can more than one person control it? Because. You know, I think probably I think they that might maybe that's the maybe that's the real question. If there aren't two smoke monsters and there is only one, maybe let me see. And see, that's the other thing that makes me think there are two is because one of them we find out later is the man in black taking the form of the smoke monster. Mm -hmm. But then that would mean that Ben could always control the man in black, which we find out later is not the case. So that's what leads me to believe there are two. Hmm. Well, I think that we should definitely keep an eye out at this point. Yeah. With this in mind. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, for anybody that's, you know, watched the show over and over and over and over and over and over again, if you have any (laughs) thoughts on this, 
I'd love to hear them because I, I really like that theory. That's a very interesting theory. I've never heard that. I've, I've never even, I've never even considered that. Me neither. It wasn't until this episode that I actually, I honestly started to take a step back and actually think about that. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Because, cause, and it was really like, it was again, smoke monsters, the man in black. Okay. How can Ben control him? Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. What if this is not the man in black? Because there are more than one. So, but I mean, I, you know, f- furthering, pr- further progressing into that whole thing with Ben going into, uh, you know, summon protection, going into that cave, wherever yeah. it leads, bringing the, the smoke monster out and seeing it just ravage all of Kimi's men was, it was an awesome scene. Did Kimi die? In no, Kimi no. does not die. Okay. Um, well, now I'm all messed up on the timeline ever since it, w- w- with the talk of the captain. So now I'm just like, <laughs> I well, don't know what's me, happening anymore. And, and that's the thing. Like it, it, that, that thing, that particular thing I was reading says Kimi's men return. And then we've never seen them on the island yet. This is the first time we've seen them on the island, which makes me think that this is them returning from this whole thing happening. It's the survivors of this happening. They kill the doctor and then they get them to take them back. Yeah, because I don't we know. we will see Kimi again. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. We'll oh, yeah. Until well, we get to that episode. Yeah. To see how exactly. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for when we get to that episode. But I also like to, one of the other things I, I oh God, it sounds so dark when I say I enjoy it. Um, we, we see the thinning of the herd as the way I'll put it. Oh yeah. All the, did you know that one guy actually was wearing a red shirt? (laughs) I have that in my notes that (laughs) one guy was actually wearing a red shirt (laughs) because that's legitimately what they are. Like these are, we know there are other survivors other than the main characters that we know, and eventually they all get written off. Well, you have if you're not going to give them a storyline, you just got it. It's dead weight. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what they become in this episode. Like dead weight. <laughs> every everybody else who went to the camp with Locke and Ben, with the exception of Locke, Ben, Hurley, Sawyer, and Claire, are and Aaron. gone now. And, and Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Everybody else has been written off now at this point. Where was Miles with them? Yes. Because remember, he's the one that actually rings the doorbell. Yeah, but I don't remember him in the jungle when they were splitting off ways. No, he goes with Sawyer back to the beach. Okay. Yeah. He's with them in the jungle and he goes with Sawyer and Claire back to the beach. That's so weird. I don't have any memory of him splitting off with with them and going with Sawyer none he's like not even in that scene in my oh. in my brain no he's That's there so strange because he actually says it he says I'm I'm going with them oh okay thank you now you've placed him yeah <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha so, he just appeared pow but you know when you look at that scene too like we know from flash forwards Hurley apologizing for going with Locke and now he's still going with Locke. So we know at some point he still has to make his way back to the beach. Yeah. But he does yeah. tell Sawyer, I'll be right behind. I'll be there when I can. So, oh, yeah. No, he doesn't want to stay with Locke and Ben. No. Like, he's there who to does? Show, he's there to show them to the cabin, and then he's go- he's gone. Yeah. He's, he's leaving. Well, so it's going back to 
Ben and Locke. I do have in my notes um, about, wait, where is it? Oh, is that, you know, with Ben knowing what's happening, what needs to happen, who Kimi was, like his whole history. Oh, that, how does, oh, that scene is so awesome to me, though. I didn't even breathe during that, see, that scene, too. But like just everything that he knows, it's like Locke's ineptitude and his failure to realize how much he has to learn is why we see the downfall of John Locke. He can't, and and that's his whole life. That's his his whole backstory seems to have prepared us for not being surprised at his ineptitude to be a leader on the island. Because he didn't really find his leadership style. When Jack was, when Jack was um, with the others in the fish tank, was that what it was? The Uh, Hydra, uh, Hydra. Yeah. 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 Hydra Island. Yeah, but he was like locked up in a shark tank or a fish tank or I think that's what it was. Bear tank or I don't know. But um so when he was there and Locke had like temporary leadership of the survivors on the beach, he's like, Well, if you want to come, you can come. I'm not Jack. I'm, you know, everybody gets to say and everybody gets to do this. And then all of a sudden you see him going, No, this is what we're gonna do. I know what we're gonna do because I'm the special one. And then he turns around and he's like, Well, I don't know really what to do, but I don't wanna I don't wanna tell everybody I don't know what to do. So I'm just gonna flail around and hope that nobody notices that I don't know what I'm doing. Like he never figures out how to be a leader or what kind of a leader he wants to be. He he was always reactionary, whereas Ben Ben was taking preventive steps and jumping into action when a, a, a planned out scenario would pop up. Yeah, if 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 that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense, and I like the fact that you brought up the fact that Jack was in a fish tank because Jack because Locke is literally a fish out of water at this point. Yeah. Oh, hey, wordplay. That was a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's you're right. I mean, Locke has so has been. I think inept is the proper word to describe him. He's a false leader mm-hmm. at this point. And don't get me wrong. I love I love John Locke. He's one of my yeah. favorite characters in the series. But you're absolutely right. man. This goes to show you, like the most complicated characters in the series become my favorites. Yeah. Between John and Ben, like who are my two favorite characters from the series, and and Hurley, just because. Who doesn't love Hurley? Uh, Sawyer. Uh, so, well, uh, yeah, Sawyer's another one that's just become. Sawyer. Since doing this Sawyer. podcast. <laughs> since doing this podcast, it's Sawyer has become. I've found a new love for that character. Stick with me, kid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Locke is such an inept leader. He he's a false leader. He pretends mm-hmm. to know what he's doing and he tricks people into that with using that false sense of confidence to get them to follow him. And when you follow him, you realize he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No. And he's so easy to manipulate. Yeah. Incredibly easy to manipulate. Like, I feel like, if he ever actually did have kids, his kids would be jerks because they would figure out early that they could walk all over their father and anybody that can walk all over their parents, they turn out to be jerks. Yeah. Especially when their own father can't walk himself. Hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you feel that burn on your face? 
<laughs> Break out the Neosporin because someone just got burned. <laughs> um, you know, I keep going back to this. We're incredibly per- proud of ourselves today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep going back to this particular scene, but I, the reason why I do is because this scene speaks so much in just a second. And you go back to the scene where Ben reaches into the piano bench and pulls out a gun. Yeah. Like, that's not just a, like, oh, shit, Ben had a gun scene. That that particular moment shows you so much yeah. in that Locke. It, like, in that one scene alone, it proves Locke is not in charge. Ben is in charge. Yeah. Well, also, uh, Locke, you had full access to this house for a while. You didn't think to clear out the house of anything? Yeah. You didn't think to look behind a bookcase. You didn't think to look in a piano bench. Yeah. You know, where there was a weapon stored, like not even locked in a piano bench. It's wide open. His assumptions about himself are really, when you you break it all down, his assumptions about himself are egregious. Like they're just awful. And, And you just, I don't know. He has such a false sense of confidence in yes, himself. Yes, un, unearned confidence, as yes. my husband would say. Yeah, and and that's absolutely the truth about John Locke. And mm-hmm. it and you know, like we we say about character arcs, there is another version of John Locke coming. Well. That that well, I say another version because it's not the same John Locke, right? Um. And when we meet that John Locke, this John Locke also has another sense of confidence, but this one is real. Yeah. Like this John, this John Locke that we're going to meet coming up is confident and has every reason to be. Yeah. Which yeah. is going to be such an interesting dynamic when we get to that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so I want to talk about one more thing. Okay. And that's what happens off the island. We have not touched on that at all. And no. I think that that's really important, especially to Saeed's story. Well, that's really all I have left in my notes is just the okay. stuff that happens off island. Okay. Um, so let's just talk. Let's just start the conversation with Ben waking up. In a parka. In, 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 the, in a parka in the Sahara Desert with the name Halifax on the parka. Yeah, okay, go. Uh, which is another name that all the, the the scientists that we see in all these different Dharma videos, I forget his actual name because he uses so many. He, he Who, Hanzo? Uses, no, not Hanzo. No, not Hanzo. Um, the Hanzo group is the... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember his Oh, name. you mean... Go ahead. No. I no 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 I I stopped because I was wrong again <laughs> and I decided oh. not to continue my words. Okay, uh, but we see. Oh God, uh, it's gonna bug me. Um, M- Marvin Candle, Doctor Candle, Doctor Marvin Candle, um, who's the guy we see in all those Dharma introduction videos? That's but what ev- I was talking about. Yeah, I just but got the name wrong. <laughs> every time we meet him in different iterations, he's using a different name. Yeah. And Dr. Edgar Halifax is one of the names that he uses. So we see this we see this parka on Ben. He wakes up in the middle of the desert wearing a parka, like two opposite ends there. <laughs> we are eventually going to find out why he's wearing the parka and how he ends up in the desert. But right now, it's a total mystery. 
mystery at this point. Like, what the hell happens? But if you remember correctly, too, when we first meet Charlotte, Charlotte is working in the desert when she finds the Dharma logo around polar bear remains. So however yep. that polar bear got there is also how Ben got there. So it's a portal, right? It's a portal, yeah. It's yeah. The, it's the wheel. Yeah. Which we're going to get, I think, by the end of the season. Right. We're, because we're going to because we learn earlier when Rose goes to um, that healer in Australia that there are thinner parts of the whole world where certain people will be better or will be healed more than other people. And Sheila and Rose learns that her spot is somewhere different and that she needs to take this plane and she needs to go, you know, to LA or something, knowing probably that she was going to crash and be in her healing spot, not Rose, but the healer that she yeah. spoke to. So my guess is that these thinner areas are all perhaps portals to one another Right. Yeah. That maybe um, could explain why scientists are going to this part of the Sahara Desert or why people are flocking to this part of uh, Australia to be healed or why this island. And maybe the island is the whole um, like basis of that energy. Well, because and, and let's not forget, too, that Ben getting off this island really causes some shit to happen. Like Ben turning that wheel causes Wait. some major havoc. Well, Widmore shouldn't have killed his daughter. Well, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just ben saying he moves the island because Widmore changed the rules. So he changed the rules. Well, but Ben also turning the wheel is what causes the time jumps. Right. No, right. And that's yeah. why he told, but that's why Ben's like, you're never going to find the island. Yeah. Well, I think that was the case even beforehand, too. Oh, no. No, you're right, because he did. That's right. Charles Whitmore was already there. So turning that wheel causes the time jumps, meaning the island jumps through time now. <laughs> and it's not until Locke finds the wheel and uses the wheel himself that everything settles. And then once it settles, shit is still in flux. Well. Because where the island stops is not where it was. When it was. When it was, exactly. <laughs> Which leads us into everything that happens in season five. Which I love. <laughs> five is one of my favorite seasons. Yeah, well. I really like season five. Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, too, but there's still, again, there's a lot of shit that still has to happen in season four. Yeah. There's a lot of shit that is still going to happen in season four. So, but again, I digress. You know, we're talking about the stuff that happened off the island, uh, and you mentioned how important it is to Saeed. Why don't you take us into that a little bit? Well, as we know, Saeed has, um, we, we know that Saeed will never, like, we see how against Ben he is in Meet Kevin Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. Was it Meet Kevin Johnson or was it the no, it was episode Kevin, before that? It was Meet Kevin Johnson. because Where he turned him in. Well, yeah, because yeah. It, we, he turned in Michael. And it was also in that episode, the last episode that we mentioned that 
something needs to happen for Saeed to be so far against Ben, but then working with Ben right. in the flash forward. So we learn that, and this is where Ben really kind of shines in his manipulation tactics, right? He basically manipulates Saeed into being a, an assassin for him mm-hmm. because I'm not sure that that, um, that that man that Saeed ended up killing had anything to do with uh, Nadia's death. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I remember this plays out in this episode and there is a part of me that as I'm watching, I'm like, is that real though? Is that true? Cause I don't remember. No, no, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that he worked for Widmore, right? So, he says, I have a message for you from Charles Woodmore, which he never got. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but so it's all, it's, it's all very fast paced. I mean, you know, Ben knows that Saeed is being hounded by the press because he's one of the oceanic six. He's in, he's in, uh, he's in Iraq, he's burying his wife. And so as they're doing the funeral procession procession, he sees that there's a photographer on the roof, right? Taking pictures. And Ben makes himself very seen as he does this. And then, so Saeed finds him. He's like, stay away. Let me be in peace. What are you doing here? Right. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, there's that conversation and he's like, Oh, I'm just trying to find out who killed your wife, you know? And then, uh, and he, and he starts his manipulation of Saeed. So Saeed has lost everything at this point. He wanted his wife and he gives that huge moving speech about, you know, finding his wife and finally marrying her and spending decades looking for her. And you just, and and we all know Saeed's story, especially when it comes to Nadia. Right. And so it's like, it's so heartbreaking that we don't get to see the good part. We only see the death part. Right. I mean, I, I, I believe that we do see the good part later, but right now I, I don't remember. I don't yeah, remember well, if we do or not. I love I I love it that that we've seen it and we don't remember because it, it means we get to re-experience it. Yeah, we're at a part in the series where we don't remember everything that happens in it. Which moment. is fantastic. Yeah. Um so so Ben knows that Said has lost everything. He knows Said's history. He knows what he's really good at. He knows how to play his cards with everybody. And he executes a plan perfectly and um so my guess is that the man and i and i don't know if he ever got a name i'm sure he did but the man who uh ends up being killed by saeed was obviously a widmore employee ben has waged war on charles widmore and so saeed has killed this man and saeed's like oh well who's next i'm in i don't care i have nothing to live for anymore and he's like yes we're gonna do this you know and then he turns away and he smiles because he knows that he won that round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. That it's it's fun to, to watch this play out because, you know, you're right. We get those moments on the island after Kimi kills Alex where Ben says he changed the rules. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we get the, that point where, you know, like we're we're kind of on team Ben. Because Kimi killed Alex, we feel for Ben. Yeah. And now we're kind of like, okay, you know what? I'm going to back you on this one. Like, you're going to get revenge for your daughter. Yeah, let's do this. Until the moment when he, and like when he meets Whitmore and he's like, we're like, yeah, he's face to face with Whitmore. Revenge. I'm going to kill your daughter. Now, wait a minute. His daughter is Penny. 
We, we want like, Penny. In. We like Penny. Yeah, we like Penny. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Team Ben right now. Like, yeah. I, I've been with you for like the past 20 minutes. I, now I don't know if I'm with you anymore. But that's the best part about this character. I know. Right? It's his yeah. shades of gray. It's, it's, it's the fact that, you know, you, you, want, you want so badly to root for him, but he's such a heinous person. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I love it, too. It's like, wait, yeah, Team Ben, Team Ben. Wait a minute. No, we like Penny, and we <laughs> yeah. want Penny to be with Desmond forever. Yeah. Like, no, no, wait a minute. Nope, let's leave Penny. Nope, can't go after Penny. Wait a minute. Take Right. Nope. Yeah, but it's just... It's a it's, bridge too far, Ben Linus. It's great. If just that's how, your real name. <laughs> Henry Gale. Halifax. <laughs> uh, Dean oh, Moriarty. That's it. I was like, what name does he use in this episode? And it's Dean Moriarty. And I love the fact that he uses Dean Moriarty because it's not the first time he's used it. And, and it's, it's, Sherlock it's a Sherlock Holmes. Holmes character. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a character from a Jack Kerouac book. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so fun like learning these literary characters. And I know like, I know this is kind of, it's on the topic of loss, but in, in a chat that a bunch of us are in um, our friend, Greg, who has never left his feedback for this, but he, cause I don't think he's, he's currently watching the show, but he, he just posted in a chat one time, like, wait a minute. He's like, there, there actually was a guy called, um, called John Locke. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Like, John Locke actually existed. <laughs> Pretty famous guy, too. Yeah. He share he shares a name. Um oh, what was the other name too? There was another name that he used, and I can't remember what it was, but like he was starting to pick up on all these literary references and real life references that Lost uses. We're like, now you know why people still love this show. Yeah. Because it's so intriguing. It's funny. But yeah, I mean it's I'm, I'm very curious, does it and it's we're going to see it play out. Is this real in that this guy works for Charles Whitmore and killed Nadia, or is Ben manip- just working his manipulation like he usually does and manipulating Saeed to believe it so that he has an ally? I'm looking forward to seeing it play out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of everything I have, though. Yeah. I got That's, everything. I, that, I kind of think we, I'm looking we did at it. my notes. We did it. There's not, we did it. There's nothing <laughs> additional that we kind of have to go over. We kind of hit everything. And there was a lot to hit. Yeah. In this it was episode. fun. It was a good episode. And I feel like these next couple episodes are going to be the same exact way. There's Just gonna as be much a, fun. There's going to be a lot to hit. Uh, the next episode is a Jack flash forward. Uh, something nice back home. <sighs> I know. <laughs> uh, I expect to be bored. <laughs> well, we. I know the one thing I do remember about this episode is this is, uh, we do get to see Jack, Kate, and Aaron in a flash forward. Uh, so I don't know... They're- it's so funny. On first watch, they were always my favorite characters, and now I'm just like, eh. "Where's Hurley?" Yeah, you get more. Where's Jin and Son? I know. Where's Saeed? Where's Where's Sawyer? Like, give where's, me more. So- where's Sawyer? Give me more <laughs> Sawyer and Hurley. I'm all for that. So. Oh yeah, he called him something. What was the name that he called him this week? 
Oh, I don't remember. But you're right. Called him something totally new this week. Um. Oh, God. I don't remember. See if I can find it. Oh, wait. Uh, no. Yeah. See if you can find it, because I don't remember what it is. Come on. Because <laughs> I think it's, it's in... It's in the beginning when they're playing the... Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, because when they're playing Risk. Ah, he calls him Chicken Little. He Why? calls him Chicken Little and says, the sky ain't fallen yet. Okay, all right. Yeah, I knew. And I think it's when something. they were playing Risk. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know what's so funny about that scene, too, is early, like, when he's like, Australia is the key to the entire game. I'm like, yes, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. If you capture, all, like, Australia, New Zealand, and work your way up through Asia, that's winning the game. Like, so when he said- Oh, that, of, like, of risk. Yes. Okay. What'd you think I was talking about? Well, because they all came from Australia onto the island. Mm. No, Australia really is holding, getting and holding Australia really is the key to winning the game of risk. He would know. I'm sure he's played every board game known to man at the uh, hospital. At the, at the mental institution. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, now we've discussed everything. Now we've discussed everything. <laughs> <laughs> think of the episode. Uh, yeah, I don't really have any final notes on the episode. We covered everything. Yep, I'm good. Cool. Um, so, as I mentioned, next episode we are going to talk about is a Jack episode, season four, episode 10, Something Nice Back Home, uh, followed by Cabin Fever, which is a John Locke, and then we're into the three-part finale of the season, which we're still going to have to figure out how we're going to do that, maybe, because it aired as part one, and then the next week was parts two and three, so maybe that's how we'll cover it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how uh, how we feel as we get a little closer. But that leads us into the feedback section of the podcast in which we have two. Uh, we have a voicemail from our buddy Steve Brown and a email from our friend Des. So which one would you like to do first? Well, before we do that, we could talk about how you could leave feedback. Oh, yeah. Let's usually do that because that's <laughs> usually how we do things. And I just kind of glanced right over it. You're right. Because uh, there are multiple ways to do it. First, uh, you can leave us feedback through Facebook at facebook.com slash Lost Revisited. We are on Twitter at Lost Revisit Pod and Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email at Lost Revisited Pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. In which we encourage everybody to do so. Yeah. Uh, if you think there are two smoke monsters, let us know. If you think there's one, uh, if you think there are seven, just let us know. Leave us some feedback and uh, and let us. If know. you'd like to make a case for Jack, do it. Yeah. If you'd like to make a case for Walt coming back, I I don't care. Whatever yeah. it is, leave us some feedback and we're good. Yeah. Uh, so Des or Steve, where do you want to start? Um, I'll do Des. Okay. So Des Combs. Hi, Des says, the shape of things to come indeed. This is the episode where they start killing off log carriers left and right. Between the, carriers. between the end of this season and the premiere of season five, we get rid of pretty much all of the oceanic survivors besides our core cast. Duck 
bang, get out in the house, bang, run, bang. <laughs> good thing Sawyer is good at ducking and running while everyone else around him is getting gunned down. A few high and low points of this episode. Ben going Rambo in the Sahara Desert. Alex's last few gut-wrenching moments pleading for Ben's help. Claire surviving after the house she was in blew up. Ben using Saeed's grief to make him think it was his idea to become his personal hitman. Some foreshadowing for Jack when he tells Kate that he wrote his own prescription. Sawyer going mama bear when Locke says that Hurley has to come with him. <laughs> ben, ben showing up in Charles Woodmore's penthouse to threaten his daughter. We also find out in this episode that when someone spins the donkey wheel, not only do they move in space, they get thrown through time. Ben lands in the Middle East in October 2005, and the Oceanic Six gets rescued in January of the same year. That's all I got. Talk to you guys next week. Is it okay? So I knew there was definitely some time play in um, the date that Ben arrives because I I didn't mention that and we never really explored it because yeah that's absolutely right I and I didn't realize that Ben turns the wheel and leaves the island before they ever get rescued and arrives in the Sahara Desert after they've already been rescued because when he's in that hotel checking in for the first time he's all dirty from after being in the island in, in the desert and he sees the uh, the the news uh report of Saeed with uh with Nadia's death so there is a time jump in when Ben leaves the island to when he arrives on the mainland so that's interesting um what was the other thing in in Dez's uh, email that I wanted to bring up to. Oh, uh, Alex and Alex's final moments. I just remembered one of the other things, and I never wrote it down in my notes, which is why I didn't bring it up. Uh, it's really heartbreaking, not just that Alex dies and Ben witnesses it, but the last things that Alex hears is how she doesn't matter. Oh, I know. She's not important. It's so hard to, it's, to watch that. Like it's the last thing you hear before you die is that you're not important. Yeah, but the and it's last very obviously thing, a lie. But the last thing that you said because she's not living anymore. You know what I mean? It's the fact that Ben has to live with the fact that that's the last thing that his daughter heard. Yeah, that's that is the whole thing is tragic. Yeah. And it's one of those reasons why, like I said, I got choked up when mm -hmm. Ben goes to Alex's body. It's because of the culmination of I know the last words he said to Alex is that she doesn't matter. The last yeah. thing she heard is that she doesn't matter. And yeah. it's the fact that like he lost the one human connection he had. Mm -hmm. I know so, so bad. As horrible of a character as he could be, you really feel for him in that moment. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's so God, it's so tragic and it sucks. Uh, but that leads us to our voicemail from our buddy Steve Brown, which we will play that now. Hey, Ben and Christian, this is Steve, and I'm fixing to watch The Shape of Things to Come. Is that it for the second time? I just Ben just woke up in the desert and I realized we see him get off the island, but we don't know how he got off the island yet. Okay, so the first clue that Bernard knows Morse code is that he's the one who suggests they use it as a telegraph. Oh. Okay, Ben, not even I believe what you're trying to sell Kimi on here. 
the desperation in your voice is way too much. R.I.P. Yeah, and that little smile walking away from Saeed, you knew exactly what you were doing to get him back in or to get him to be your soldier. <laughs> Who's Jacob? Reminds me of Who's Deanna? <laughs> of Sawyer's character we, we've talked about. But this is a moment that's, that's pivotal because first season Sawyer, second season Sawyer would have never cared that they were wanted Hurley to go with them. But this season, season four Sawyer says, if you harm one hair on Hugo's head, yep. I'll kill you. Why can't Ben kill him? I don't remember. Is it like an island thing? Like the whole island won't let Michael die thing or whatever? Anyway, great episode. I cannot wait to hear you guys talk about it. Sorry about forgetting to send something in last week. I just spaced. Anyway, talk to you later. I I thanks Steve. I, and it's we missed hearing your voice last week too in the episode. Um I love how Steve's voice and I've mentioned this before. Steve's voicemails are like commentary. I know, I love it. He's watching the episode as he's leaving. You can feedback. hear it in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love it. Um but yeah, I mean, like, you know, Des mentioned the mama bear Sawyer and yeah. Steve kind of just like uh, like uh, again, further furthered that on when he said, you know, if you harm a hair on Hurley's body, I'll kill you. Yeah, like, and I believe it. I do too. I I definitely. I, I, I Locke knows what Sawyer's uh, capable of. Yeah, I do. I do honestly believe that everything Sawyer, like Sawyer, is with John Locke at this point for his own protection, not for Locke's. He's not doing it because he's following. Because he believes in what Locke is doing. He's doing it because he believes it might honestly be the safer point. But at the same time, John has put him through so much at this point. Forcing him to kill the man from Tallahassee. Or tricking him into it, rather. And everything else that if anything happened, I have no doubt Sawyer would have no resistance in killing John. Yeah. Yeah. John made him a killer. Yeah. And it would be deserving. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Stephen Des, for Thank you. Feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, again, we encourage anybody else out there to uh, to leave us feedback as well. Uh, but that leads us, I guess, into our recommendations for uh, for the week. And I have one. Okay. I have one. The new the new uh, show Clarice just started. Um, I was telling Ben about it before we started recording and it's really good. There's only one episode, but the way that they've set up the story, the people that they've cast, the tie-ins from the movie uh, Silence of the Lambs into this new uh, story that's set a year after the events of the Silence of the Lambs, it's all really, really well thought out, well written, and has it's just like Silence of the Lambs where it has just enough scare in it to like get your heart racing, but the mm-hmm. story is just so good. Um, so I highly recommend it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it is on CBS, I believe. Um, so go check it out. Okay. Yeah, it's early it's early on enough that I can I can get on board with it now and not fall behind. Yeah. Since there's only one episode out. So I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking that one out. 
Uh, as for me, I um, I've mentioned it in the weeks past. Uh, WandaVision is just getting more and more amazing and mind blowing. Like every week that it happens, I, you know, the first two episodes are are not typical Marvel. Uh, episode three kind of plays into that as well, but by the end of episode three, it really starts to be like, okay, what is happening here? And then from episodes four on, it's it's like, okay, this is Marvel. Like, this is what we've been waiting for for this show. Okay. Um, if my kids start watching it episode three and skip the first two episodes, is that a problem? No, not really. Okay. All right. Because... Um, episode- They were just so bored with the first episode. Episodes one and two are kind of like more exposition. They're kind of a little bit of a setup. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that happen in it that lead into the following episodes. But uh, when it comes to kids, I really don't think they will. Well, if they want to go back and watch it, they can. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But definitely stick with it. Because like I said, episode three on end of three on. It's just, it's like, okay, this is what we've been waiting for for the series. Like, yeah. now it's awesome. Cool. Okay. Good. Um, The Stand, which is just wrapping up, which we mentioned at the top of the podcast, Rima and I have been doing for, for Podcastica. Apparently, I've, I've been there, too. <laughs> yes. Thanks to our friend Steve Brown. Uh, <laughs> you've been there in two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but movie-wise, there's a movie that I just watched that I thought was Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I know he's kind of been in the news lately, everything happening with Britney Spears. Um, but the movie Palmer with Justin Timberlake ah. is amazing. I highly recommend it to anybody. He's who, a really good actor. I think he's a great actor. I yeah. really do. He's a force of talent, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's again, like he's a... I, I, I kind of put him in the same boat as Hugh Jackman. Like he's, he can sing, he can dance, he can act. Like he's, he's an everyman. Yeah, but Justin Timberlake writes and produces his own music. That too. Goes on yeah. world tours. <laughs> Jackman went on a world tour. Well. But he didn't write his own material. So I, right. get, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. But Hugh's still my man. So, you know. He's still oh, no, no, I get it. I was, I was uh, thinking that he was more you know, like a, like a J-Lo, like a male J-Lo. Yeah, I can see it. Or Lady Gaga, who has actually, you know, who actually has proven that she is a fantastic actress. Let me tell you, I have come around on Gaga. I love her. I really have. Love everything about her. When, when she first came out, you know, when she first hit the scene, I, I was really turned off because of the the meat dresses and the dress. Always like, the meat dress. <laughs> well, like the dress made of like Kermit the Frog and coming out of an egg during performances. I was like, this is just, this is odd. She's an artist. And, and then the more I started to kind of look and, and actually watch, she may be weird and eccentric, but she is incredibly talented. She is a she is a performer who can make like a record with her own pop sound, but also do duets with Tony Bennett. 
Well, and her her message is intentional. She's kind. She does an amazing humanitarian philanthropic. Philanthropic. I know what you mean. (laughs) Work. I don't, I have no words today. Um, (laughs) You know, she worked with, with uh, the world health organization to do that big, um, like worldwide music uh, quarantine thing at the beginning of COVID to raise money. I think she, she raised $15 million or something like that. Like an extraordinary amount of money. Like she's, she's everywhere and she's in everything. And it's not because she's trying to get a brand out It's because she, I, I believe she genuinely cares. Yeah. And there's not a lot of public figures that genuinely cares like Dolly Parton, who quietly helped, you know, find the vaccine and helped fund the vaccine for, and then waited to get it. Like yeah. never jumped in line to get it. She helped make sure it was available and right. then waited Right. Not like, you know, Congress who said, oh, I, uh, you know, COVID is fake, but please give me my two shots right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I've I've come around on Gaga quite a bit over the yeah, years. Yeah, she's I'm, great. I'm a fan of hers now. Um, and I really don't think she needs to do all that eccentric stuff. I actually think she's very beautiful when she's very normal and like just every day. Well, we could we could talk a lot about we could spend the next half hour talking about why she why she probably is the way that she is, but yeah. we don't have that time. And I have, I'm dog sitting and I have to go, <laughs> I have to go check in on these dogs. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my movie recommendation is all is Palmer with Justin Timberlake. Um, it's, it's really, really good. Okay. Uh, I'll check it out. That's it for my recommendations. Uh, any final notes before we wrap things up? No, no. Uh, cool. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Uh, Encourage you again to leave feedback if you have it. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!